Good evening. Or is it the witching hour? Or is it the devil's hour? Whatever the hour, don't be afraid. Just follow the old wooded path until you come to a crossroads. And whatever you do, don't look back. Run as fast as you can until you've arrived. At Mr. Goggles' Halloween relaunch party. A celebration of bumps in the night. Of things both seen and unseen. And also some other stuff. Like this plastic motion-activated ghost I used to keep in the bathroom, and whenever someone walked in, it would say things like, It, it must, must be Halloween! I just I saw full moon! I'm so delighted you're here, I can hardly hold it in! What brings you here? On second thought, I don't want to know. I really don't. Attention, trick-or-treaters. This is not, and I repeat, not the bowl you're looking for. Well, it's nice to hear you two again after all this time. It's been a bit. It's been a bit. And by a bit, I mean like over a year. However... (laughs) <laughs> you know, some stuff has been going on in the world. So, yeah, you know, life and we just wanted time. to give you enough time to listen to the last episode <laughs> because it was like a whole two hours. So we thought you might need like, I don't know, 11 months. <laughs> <laughs> just in case. There you go. Hope you heard it and that you subscribed and told all of your friends uh so you know what have we been up to we've been up to a lot of different projects uh like everyone maybe those projects got a little bit derailed from you know (laughs) everything the pandemic and whatnot but uh you know we wanted to really come together um especially during the sacred season of Samhain of Halloween and uh, to just kind of relaunch ourselves, rebrand ourselves and Mr. Goggle it out. I'm really excited to be relaunching in the spooky season. I feel like it's very appropriate and it's also just really exciting. I agree. I'm going to... I'm going to stir my tea and make a bunch of noise. So, really what I've been up to in the in the time that's been going on, I've been really kind of like exploring my inner mystical, my inner witch. And, um, you know, I, I have like, I consider this like my first coven, and then I have a second coven. And, you know, I have a few different covens. And, you know, one day we'll all unite into one big coven and we'll take over the world. Uh, But before that happens, I will say that my, uh, this is the spooky season. This is the scary season. And 
I've been witching it out at the Lunar Fair, which if you are on the East Coast, I will tell you, in the tri-states, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, it's a festival of very witchy people. There are vendors and readers of everything from cards and palms to eggs and probably other things. And I've been making my appearances with my second coven, Three Witch Way. And uh, we've been doing readings, selling goods, and it's been a lot of fun. And we're doing an appearance right before Halloween on the 30th, which I don't think anyone's going to this mess this episode is coming out afterwards i think so it doesn't matter but i'm going to say it anyway on Town, <laughs> and on wednesday we have a thing at the alchemy scent bar in montclair uh which is this fabulous little shop that allows you to make your own fragrances and we're actually teaching a tarot workshop so i've been really like <clears throat> you know just getting into my witch my inner banging witch. it out i'm banging it out man <laughs> and uh, on on top of that, I've also been um, doing a horror fiction podcast called Red Riding Hood. Uh, new episodes premiere on Monday. Um, <laughs> Which is very good. Directed by the good. amazing Sarah Joy Brown. Thank you. Yes, Ikea. And uh, I play Sister Celine plays Sister Dahlia, one of the villains. And it's just an amazing podcast about the trope of the final girl in horror movies. Um, and four of these girls who come together, um, to try to stop this evil plot, which, you know, I can't really talk too much about, but you'll, you'll have to listen and see for yourself. And that's what I've been up to. Well, that's all pretty exciting. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I certainly don't have quite that amount of stuff to report i bought a house that's pretty big i guess that's but uh really big i mean not, not i guess it's very big it was super stressful the market is insane right now it was uh kind of a nightmare but here i am in my new house and that's nice um and uh to be a little little new spooky situation i've got going on is that i have started playing uh, board games with my sister-in-law and her fiance. And since it is spooky season, we have been playing a, a board game called Betrayal at House on the Hill, which is super fun. You're a group of people exploring a mansion and then, you know, an event occurs and one person in the mansion, like in your group, turns on you and you have to defeat them as well as explore the mansion. It's a pretty neat board game. It's like part of it figuring out who that person is or you all automatically know and it's just like trying Everyone out. automatically knows, but the new bad, mm. you know, the new villain takes their like instruction manual and goes into another room while we have our instruction manual and we don't really know what they're planning or how their villain works, but uh-huh. we get to strategize. I mean, I say that because I wasn't the villain yet, but that's how that works. Oh my God, I love that. That sounds so fun. Yeah, it's super fun we've been watching spooky movies while we play and I've been bringing themed libations, 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 Mm. some wines and things to go along with the game theme. Well, that's pretty much it for, for me here. I don't know what I've been up to. It's difficult (laughs) to say. (laughs) (laughs) It's difficult to keep track, you know? I never know what I'm doing from one moment to the next. It's very... Here I am. Here I am. Here Here am I. I. Here Here I am. Here I am. It's very confusing. 
Um, <laughs> however, <laughs> I did just finish watching the entirety of Stranger Things over again with my father, who had never seen it. Nice. Oh, nice. So good. And I just still can't believe that I can still watch the entire thing and enjoy it. I've been doing that since, I believe, 2016 when it came out. And Has every... it been that long already? Oh my god! Yeah, and oh, all the kids oh. are like growing up, so oh, they're all yeah. like elderly now in the in the latest <laughs> season. <laughs> There's another season coming out um, in 2022, and they actually might they might be elderly by then because yeah, for sure, <laughs> it's a long time when you go from prepubescent <laughs> to. <laughs> Five or six years later, it's like, wow. Some of them yeah, are going to be some like noticeable changes. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I love it. I think it's going to become one of my new Halloween classics. I'm sure mm -hmm. I'll still be watching it when I'm 68. Mm -hmm. And then I have to say I had a hard time preparing for this episode because i kept listening to that really catchy poltergeist song by lol nine which wisteria sent to us mm -hmm. <laughs> and so extremely and it's really cute and funny and fun. yeah and the video is like it just is a whole other level of adorable ghost butts yeah if you haven't seen it just type poltergeist and lol N-E-I-N, into the search bar on YouTube. You won't regret it. I have to say, his voice is really soothing. It too. really is. It's like, there's like, like a, I don't know what to call it, like a monotony to it, but not in like a bad way. It's like a very like, I don't know how to say it, but it it, it's, just, it's really, it calms you down and you're like, oh, He's a cute ghost. It's it's yeah. absolutely the perfect soundtrack for the entire rest of of November, <laughs> of of November also of October and November and also possibly the rest of my life. I, I love it, and so do you, and so do you. I have also really been enjoying. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but Bigfoot Bay on instagram <laughs> no no which is basically ba a woman ba like -E? <laughs> yeah oh god it's a woman in a bigfoot costume taking glamour shots and like uploading tiktok dances and all kinds of stuff in the woods it's really <laughs> nice phenomenal oh my god that could go so well that up. it's like an actual bigfoot sees her putting on a show and he's like oh hey baby and she's like oh my god they're very uh, she usually does these really empowering types of videos you know like she's just like walking along she doesn't care she's bigfoot bay good for her <laughs> good for her you know we've been through so much in this life and in this time. And if you want to put on a Bigfoot costume and strut across Route 79 or wherever you're from, you go ahead and do it, madam. <laughs> I support you fully. And I say that 
um, also because I've been eating like a lot of gruel lately and like oatmeal <laughs> and like also like mushroom, barley, like soups of barley and like beans, very like hearty. Lots like, of I don't bee. know, something about this energy is like, Lots of bee I've words. been beans in there. There's beans in there. <laughs> and, and there's beans in me. Another inside and joke between the three of the, us. <laughs> that no that take, one will understand. That takes me back. To but, uh, you know, I have to say, I've also, this kind of weather, this kind of season, just puts me in that Baba Yaga, like, swamp witch mentality. And I mm. think that's what Bigfoot Bay is totally. tapping into, too. It's this liminal state of the seasons. And so I've been reading Baba Yaga, the Wild Witch of the East in Russian Fairy Tales by Sybil and Forrester. Amazing. And it's like a compilation of all of the tales uh, from like Belarus, Russia, Ukraine, Poland, um, having to do with Baba Yaga. And she's been in hundreds since like the 16th, 17th century at least. And it's so interesting to learn more about her and... You know, how she was seen as like this dark, evil force. But really, when you examine it, um, you're kind of like, well, she was a guardian of the forest. She was an earth mother in that regard. She was also a, what is it called? Parthenogenic uh, mother or parthogenetic, where she was a mother figure without actually having given birth to the main protagonist of the story. She's just kind of like the mother of the dark forest and you so you see her really as a grandmother figure someone who had been a mother at one point but now is just like the grandmother and she is the guardian and um you know she puts uh, the arrogant uh young people through trials and tribulations and the industrious ones through trials and tribulations and she kind of it's like the squid game and it's like whoever wins <laughs> so be it and uh, the loser, I'm gonna eat you for lunch. And I think that's really great because we should all get our nutrition in this time because it's a very difficult time and you should, really Baba Yoga tells us she eats people because that's her protein. They stumble into the forest. <laughs> you gotta and have protein. That's their problem. She's trying to make it and I'm all for it. <laughs> so I'm not, saying cannibalism is the way to go but i'm saying you should be creative with your resources picking nuts picking berries picking mushrooms picking you know what trespasser you're going to eat today it's all about being in the moment and i think we can all learn a thing or two about that yes <laughs> you know <laughs> Oh, and I'm still reading Crone, Woman of Age, Wisdom, and Power by Barbara G. Walker. But I think I was reading that in the last episode, like a year and a half ago. So, <laughs> I mean, you know, it's a slow, it's a slow burn, but I'm a very busy lady. But, you know, I tell you, every word that I read, it resonates. Mm. It really does. And it's, and I, I make lots of highlights, you know, on the Kindle app. You can do it with your finger and just be like, oh, I, I like that part. You know, let me let me put that in yellow and I can like if I need some inspiration, I'll be like, boom, boom, boom. And there it is. So I like to do that. And so those are really the two books that I've been reading, you know, whenever I get a chance. But um, I don't know. It's, it's just I, I've been taking ever since I started doing like the three witch way events, too. 
um, I've really been taking on kind of like this crone energy. And I feel like I this pandemic and everything has helped me go through my own personal croning and really just focusing on, I think when you embrace crone energy and so much of like the wicked witch of like vintage Halloween decorations and all of that is a crone. You know, she's older. She's got like more... <laughs> She's, you know, got maybe some, like, deformities of some sort. She's, you know, she's a natural gal who's just, you know, she lives off the land. And uh, people are scared of that because she she depends on herself and she's true to herself and who that is. And I've been uh, really embracing that energy. And it's a very, like, no-frills energy that kind of just mm. says, you know what? These are my boundaries. Respect it. Respect it. <laughs> respect it. Respect to be respected on this side as well as yours. And I think that's really special because it's something that so many of us lose sight of, you know? Or For never sure. have sight of in the first place. Yeah. And it's also a seasonal thing because when the seasons enter this liminal state, it forces us to chill. We're always like, go, 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 go. But when the autumn comes into winter, it forces you. Sit your ass down and you're going to reflect and you're going to respect. Okay. And sip your damn tea. <laughs> <laughs> but I want that one on a t-shirt. I want that one on a t-shirt. Noted. <laughs> oh my God. Sip your damn tea. Sowin and sip your damn tea. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Freak in the streets, crone in the home. Oh, I love that. Yes, yeah. And she, <laughs> she, she certainly is, you know? So what are some of the older Halloween type media classics? would you say that are your favorite? Well, I um, had a tradition of watching the 1959 House on Haunted Hill, mm -hmm. um, which is funny that the game I'm playing is Betrayal at House on the Hill. <laughs> um, also, maybe I'll make them watch that. It's got, you know, it's black and white, Vincent Price, um, pretty classic there's a remake in 1999. It's like, okay. I think uh, I have seen that. Seen... I'm pretty sure I've seen that one. It does yeah, have just, kind you of know, like an ambiance all its own. Yeah. And, um, you know, as a kid, it freaked me out pretty good. As an adult, I'm like, wow, this is just like a bunch of screaming. <laughs> um, but as a kid, like there's this one scene where the woman is like trapped in a basement, of course, and, um, you know, this crone woman comes out and she's, you know, got her hands up all gnarled and she's making this like glaring face and just glides across the floor. And like, that was real scary when you're a little kid. Yeah, that's pretty scary. Sure. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're yeah. so used to special effects and things these days, but if you saw any kind of thing, gliding across the floor toward you. I mean, even if it looked bad, it would be terrifying. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Mm -hmm. 
I would say I really love during this season, not just, you know, getting in touch with my inner Baba Yaga, but also watching um, uh, that those kind of like vintage horror movies because there is something about them, right? That I think because it forces you into that, again, liminal state of imagination where it's not always exposition and spelled out for you. A lot of the horror comes from what's in your psyche, which is going to be a theme that I'm discussing more when we get to that part. But um, things like Suspiria, you know, mm. um, the yes. movies from that time where the original Suspiria I'm, I'm talking about um, and, you know, really all of the uh, Argento movies are just like so brutal like watching them is such a visceral experience there's it's like literally watching them is like the feeling you get when you are relaxing like walking down the street or whatever and you hear the loud crash of like a glass bottle and you're like oh my god what the heck's going on it's like that jarring and it's just such a a visual frenzy um, the colors, the sound effects, the, the, the even the, the soundtrack, uh, it all contributes to this very visceral, vintage kind of horror feel. So I really do like watching those movies, especially uh, during this spooky season to get in that kind of mood. Aside from that, um, I would say also I love murder mysteries, like the vintage kind, like Agatha Christie, uh, and then there were none. I love that. Um, and something about this time of year makes you kind of like gravitate towards that. So, yeah, I'm I'm team murder. Let's do it. <laughs> well, not let you know. Let's <laughs> let's watch it. <laughs> I have to agree about the old, the old old classics. There's something about older things that just lends a different character to the spookiness which I really appreciate and I actually watched the old Dracula with Bela Lugosi the, the other day and oh. it was incredible but then I also watched the newer <laughs> the newer one with um, Keanu Reeves is in it and um, Winona Ryder and I remember the first time that I watched it thinking that it was just really kind of hokey and terrible uh but i loved it this time i guess i've just hit that age <laughs> i found it to be really actually sort of emotional and uh very dramatic in a way that speaks to my soul and actually keanu reeves horrible horrible british accent <laughs> is <laughs> it's it's just a lovely little treat, you know? <laughs> Something about it. It's just bad in that way that makes you feel like your needs are being met. So <laughs> that's one for sure. Um, and also, everybody always thinks about Hocus Pocus, but I don't feel like anyone ever talks about Ernest Scared Stupid. <gasps> oh my god, I completely forgot about Ernest. And I love that one because Eartha Kitt plays this incredible, reclusive 
misanthropic crone woman. And there's this fun historical premise involving a group of 1700s town people burying an evil troll. And then there's this curse and like children getting turned into wooden statues and put in a tree. And it's just got this whole amazing spooky plot to go with the ridiculousness of an earnest movie. I'm going to have to watch that now because I have completely forgotten about him. But yes, he was a staple of, of the Halloween yeah. season. I'm worried I that the kids aren't, <laughs> I'm worried the kids aren't getting the earnest education that they should be getting. No. I a actually shame. found him terrifying as a child, but I would be... <laughs> I would want to revisit it only because you said Eartha Kitt is in it, and I love Eartha Kitt. Oh, uh, so so maybe she'll like dumb down some of my anger there because it's, like it's uh, really like the perfect role for Eartha Kitt, and it's yeah. also a role that only Eartha Kitt could make as nuanced and incredible as it is. It's worth watching it just to see her. I still have a lot of resentment for him because for some reason they associated him with the mugshot of Pee Wee Herman when he got arrested at that adult <laughs> theater for masturbating himself. And Look. then for some reason as a kid, I thought he was going to appear out of the toilet in the bathroom and wait for me. I'm telling you, my fears <laughs> as a child were so strange. So I associated Ernest with Pee Wee Herman and that loud voice. I was like, oh my God, he's waiting there. And there was like a good few months that I had to go into the bathroom with my grandmother waiting <laughs> because right of there Ernest. Because, because of Ernest and Pee Wee Herman, who I thought were the same person. Oh. I was so <laughs> and I, I love both of them, like dearly well, now, forever. Now I'm over it. Now I'm over it. And I, I do appreciate I mean, both, Paul Rubens can do no wrong in my book. Yeah, yeah honestly, I feel like he just got put through the ringer so hard for masturbating yeah, in a, new, you know like, in a porn like everybody in there was masturbating I, and uh, he got caught why because he's famous like it's on, an establishment where it's a seedy establishment where people go sometimes and you expect yeah. people there to be up to certain kinds of Shenanigan. maybe seedy activities yeah. however like as you know regardless of how inappropriate it was what happened afterwards was absolutely insane there was like this uh i believe like a chief or detective guy who really had it out for paul rubens because he felt like he could tell you know he felt like he had an inkling that paul rubens was gay and he had this like very homophobic um agenda he just really wanted to bring him down and he wanted to paint him as a pedophile and they tried to yeah. use the fact that he had vintage um, looky books in his home as a way to like villainize him. And it wasn't even his fault that the looky books sometimes in that era, it was, what was it, like the 1920s or something, in that era, occasionally, boys who were under the age that they were supposed to be would go and pose and do modeling for these like very very innocuous pornography books that they had back then you right. know like hardly even x-rated and um they do that to make money 
and it was technically illegal for them to do that, but on paper, officially, they weren't breaking the law because they were, they had lied about their age. And so he had these vintage books and they tried to use that like very obscure history fact mm -hmm. to penalize him, to make it seem yeah. like he had child pornography, which is like so completely not the truth and completely- And I think that's the story that made me as a child think, right. well, first of all, it was that mud shot too. They made it like <laughs> the most frightening like mugshot of an of yeah. like a wild mountain person it's, man. It's like all and, of us on the worst day possible. That's yeah, that's his totally. Mugshot. And so yeah, I remember as a kid talking about well, segueing into the things we were scared of as a kid. Honestly, I didn't even have this <laughs> in my notes, but I was very scared of Paul Rubens and or Ernest coming out of the toilet and uh, <laughs> abducting me. This and I was scared of that for like a good, like very hilarious. <laughs> so, before we get too far into the things that scared us as children, which we'll be elaborating on later on in the episode, I do have a an important content warning for our listeners. Before we proceed with the spooky festivities, I'd like to emphasize that this will be a very scary episode, which will include the retelling of personal accounts of events, which could be too scary for some listeners, especially younger folks, or anyone with an overactive imagination, like myself. Like, I probably shouldn't be listening to this episode, but it's too late for me, so save yourselves. We will also be referring to subject matter of a sensitive nature, including suicide, violence, murder, demonic possession, abduction, cult psychology, voyeurism, and disturbing otherworldly entities. So please take care of yourself and only listen to the rest of this episode if or when you are fully prepared for that kind of experience. If you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal ideation, please visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org or translifeline.org both linked in the show notes. Call or chat with someone there or learn about ways to help yourself and others. You have value in the world and you don't have to be alone. Right on. Oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm glad you went into the content warning before I blurted out that I had a dream that Paul Rubens went down on me. <laughs> <one time. laughs> I'm real excited. I mean, I, we went on this completely crazy tangent about Paul Rubin. <laughs> Just like we did about Zena that one time. And I know, yeah. <laughs> I, I know it has nothing to do with Halloween or this episode, but I just feel like it was worth it. It does. It does for Sister Celine. Yeah, everything to do with that. We're dredging up old memories that I haven't even thought about in what? Uh, t 28 years, 20 something, however old I am. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into the spooky news. Yes, That's I have right. a story also for spooky news. That's right, it's go. time for a new segment, which I like to call the news, which is the news <laughs> with some woo in the middle. Recently in the news, 
a couple supposedly unknowingly purchased the home associated with the real-life story of possession, which inspired the movie and book The Exorcist. This happened in August of last year, but only recently made the headlines. According to the article on Lad Bible, which is titled, Couple Unknowingly Buy a House with a Horrific Past, Danielle Witt and Ben Rocky Harris purchased a new home in Cottage City just outside Washington, D.C., which they paid $377,000 for, which is over $50,000 below the market value, actually. But Which, somehow, as a person who just bought a house, <laughs> can tell you that that does not happen. Exactly. Not now. Mm. Not in the past year. It doesn't happen. Which could have been a clue, but moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Later, upon Googling the area, Danielle was horrified to discover that it had in fact been the spot where a Catholic priest carried out an exorcism of a teenage boy in 1949. In the case the exact case associated with the iconic horror movie and novel, The Exorcist. An old newspaper article about it, entitled Priest Frees Mount Rainier Boy, describes how the priest had to perform 20 or 30 rituals in order to, quote, finally cast the devil out of the boy. The novel and screenplay for the 1973 film were written by William Peter Blatty, who was completing an English degree at Georgetown University at the time of the events. So not only were the couple unaware of the house's history, they were also unaware of the exorcist story being based on real events. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know that. They did perform some type of cleansing ritual prior to moving in, apparently, and they've declined allowing their friend to bring a Ouija board over. Mm, (laughs) However, (laughs) (laughs) right? However, Danielle is quoted as saying, you know, demons are not attached to locations, they're attached to people, they're things that wander. She continues, I feel somewhat ridiculous even saying this, but thinking about it and thinking about how a demonic possession was like, well, demons don't usually attach themselves to houses, and frankly, the way that I view it is that, you know, my house has the same odds of a demonic possession (laughs) equal as anyone else's house, and to me, that was always the scariest part of the movie is that it could happen to anybody. Then her husband is quoted as saying, I'm thinking I'm going to get a Catholic priest Halloween costume this year and get an amplified speaker and have the Exorcist soundtrack just playing on a loop on our front porch for the trick-or-treaters. Nice. (laughs) Also, they're currently using the demon from the possession's name, which was Pazazu, or Pazuzu, For their Wi-Fi signal, which I think is a pretty bold move. <laughs> that is bold. Yeah. Somewhat so audacious. But all the best to them. <laughs> I wish them uh. the best. <laughs> In other news, the house associated with the Conjuring, located in Rhode Island 
was listed for sale again last month for, I think, $1.2 million. Built in 1736, it was last purchased by a paranormal enthusiast in 2019. In case you aren't familiar with this... (laughs) Right? (laughs) In case you aren't familiar with the story, Andrea Perrin, a woman who lived in the house as a child in the 70s, wrote a trilogy called House of Darkness, House of Light about her family's various experiences in the home. Those experiences include things like apparent possession of her mother, Carolyn Perrin, who rose into the air while seated in a chair and began speaking in tongues during a seance, and Carolyn Perrin being stabbed by an invisible needle, and objects flying across the room and crashing into walls. The Conjuring movie is based on investigations into the property by famed paranormal researchers Ed and Lorraine Warren, and the house is rumored to be haunted by Bathsheba Sherman, an accused witch who lived there during the 1800s. For some reason, people in the area rumored that she had sacrificed her weak old baby to the devil by inserting a long sewing needle into its brain. Mm. Uh, but she was never convicted of any crimes. Supposedly also she killed herself in 1863 at 3.07 in the morning after cursing all who would take her land. Which, Mm. I have to say, like, can you blame her if everyone in the town is making up these really grotesque stories because, I don't Mm. know, your child died? (laughs) Just speculation on my part, but... Um... Yeah, I mean, good on her for cursing the land. I mean, bad on her (laughs) if she actually did insert the knitting needle into the baby. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I tend to think that really at uh, that juncture in time, and certainly still now, um, any woman who was really, like, uh, vociferous, according to their standards, and, you know, went against the grain and kind of just spoke up too much or was seen as ornery was going to be cast as some sort of witch or demon or evil threat um and so you know can we actually take any of that history with anything other than a grain (laughs) of salt was Bathsheba this horrible killer of children or was she just a lady who spoke her mind who pissed off the guys in charge We'll never know. Yeah, exactly. So, Jen Heinzen, one of the home's current owners since 2019, told the Wall Street Journal that the home is booked with ghosts and tourists through 2022, and she and her husband believe that the house is haunted by ghosts from King Philip's War, which happened Mm. between 1675 and 1678, so, like, really a long time ago. And it was between local native people and the white colonizers but they also claim that they haven't felt any malevolence there and they describe it as a serene beautiful location mr heinzen is quoted as saying it's the land that's stigmatized not the house itself however both of them also say they've experienced footsteps knocking flashing lights in rooms that had no actual lighting in them disembodied voices, EVPs, and some, quote, awesome spirit box sessions. Mm. 
So how's so, that for saying that your home <laughs> isn't suspicious at all? It's a lovely place. And then backtracking on that <laughs> in totality. Or like, you know, you're a paranormal investigator. This is your life. You were willing to sink, I'm guessing, a million-ish dollars into this as a part of your life. Mm -hmm. I feel like only honing the home for what, like two years is very telling about what it's actually like to be in that house because it's habited by people who like that shit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, but are like, well, two years is plenty. Okay. Bye. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, this is a great property. As they, like, slowly walk away waving. (laughs) (laughs) You should really check it out. Um, In entertainment-related news, the singer Kesha has a new show coming out on Disney Plus in 2022 called Conjuring Kesha, in which she'll be exploring... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) In which she'll be exploring haunted locations with other celebrities and paranormal experts. So I'm, like, not super familiar with her music, but I really like this one quote. Um, She said, over the course of my life, I've always been drawn to the supernatural and the spiritual realm. Making music, I felt, was a cosmic connection between my soul and something bigger than me that I couldn't explain. And apparently, I didn't know this, but she also has a podcast called Kesha and the Creepies, which is about paranormal <laughs> stuff and also alternative lifestyle topics. I think I vaguely remember hearing about that. And I know that she went through like a lot of stuff with like her uh, producer or her agent. Mm. And then, you know there was like a lot of trauma there and when she finally did get out and she was able to like explore herself more that's when she really like you know was able to get away from like the auto-tuned party songs and she sang this wonderful song called praying where she really like belts it out and she's like Mm. um Mm -hmm. so i mean there's probably like a side to her that she's uh exploring in these avenues because it it's like genuine to her and it's maybe something that was discouraged from her from being cultivated in her public persona before so yeah i mean kudos to her for that i think well, that's yeah. great i and, think it's um, really interesting that there's this whole new generation of pop stars and mm-hmm. other people who like you know they're not afraid to make these kinds of statements first they're like screw mm. misogyny you know they're just like throwing yeah. it right back in people's faces and then they're like and i'm also gonna talk about a bunch of woo yeah like yeah yeah see I how it Kesha is at a music fest one year and uh you know it was real fun like you know her music is fun mm-hmm. but i am now feeling like I'm missing a bunch of really cool witch music that could have been if mm. she was allowed to just like be herself. Probably. For sure. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. Along the same vein, Demi Lovato has a new documentary on Peacock TV called Unidentified, 
which features a road trip investigation into UFO phenomena. Nice. Demi has said that they believe the word aliens to be a derogatory term for anything which should no longer be used in conversations about extraterrestrial visitations. Hmm. Neil deGrasse Tyson had some commentary on this and said that while Demi is just being considerate, we can't know what's going on inside the head of species of life from another planet and that all the aliens he has met have no feelings. <laughs> Luckily, he followed yeah. that up by saying that when he refers to aliens, just to be specific, he always says space aliens and that, quote, the only invocation of the word alien is for creatures from outer space that want to kill us all. <laughs> and he's met them? Like, take it? I, you know, I, I don't know what he... I think he was just trying to say something snappy back. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and then he realized, kind of, that he was, like, going down the wrong path and then he mm-hmm. <laughs> circled back to clarify that he is not talking about people who are immigrating <laughs> oh you know okay. what i mean yeah i got it yeah I so i'm glad he did that but i also feel like just because you see a person like a younger person who is a they it doesn't mean mm. that you need to like instantly clap back on whatever they're talking about well i was gonna say what did i (laughs) did they direct themselves uh neil or did neil just see what was going on and be like "Mm, i'm just gonna say something because this is the realm of science (laughs) i think Um, he just what he had that you know that compulsion that that men have and then he mm -hmm. was like oh I mean, <laughs> I'm gonna make them look stupid. By Actually, saying, blah, 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 blah. I'm not a racist. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, I do kind of think it's a little weird to like decide the thoughts and feelings of beings from another planet and decide that alien is a derogatory term for them. I think I yeah. I'm I like I have weird. mixed feelings on that. I like the sensitivity. I like. Yeah, I like where they're going with the the being sensitive to uh, topics and potentially life forms. However, I think we can use we can probably use alien. I mean, alien has been used in a derogatory context, and that is extremely unfortunate. And um, well, but like derogatory context towards people, right? Right. Yeah, but right. not. I mean. And then also, I think that they had also said, I didn't include it here, but I believe they had also said something about, like, framing aliens in only the context of, like, things that might come kill us, and how that's also potentially not fair. Um, Yeah, see, that doesn't make sense to me either, as far as, like... (laughs) Yeah. Why are we deciding all of these things? I mean, (laughs) this is why I just... From another planet. It's, this is yeah, the only reason why this is in the news. It's <laughs> <laughs> for this kind of conversation. Well, it's like, I think, it, assuming, you know, and I do believe that obviously there is life outside of us, you know, 
I think it would be arrogant to think otherwise, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's obvious that they don't want to have a relationship with us because we're horrible. <laughs> we are horrible. But, uh, and you know, there's probably a quarantine on our planet where it's like, yes. do not engage, but you can like, you know, right. study them from afar like a museum kind of trip. But like, at the same time, <laughs> I don't think that they would really care. I mean, I think that it, this whole thing with like, oh, calling them aliens, like, they would just be like laughing about like, oh, look, the little <laughs> ants are trying to decide what to call us in their crazy little <laughs> ant language. I still <laughs> talk with vocal cords, isn't that silly? Right. Yeah, like, they're, they're like, telepathically calling us every name in the book. And it's like, you know... I yeah. do think that if we were a, like a mass documented visitation, because even though there are masses of documented, you know, visitations, if there was one major, like, Mars attacks like event where we knew they were coming it was like they were landing and stuff like I do think like referring to them as something a little bit more elevated than aliens because mm. it's like so overused and pop culture-y I think that would be nice yeah, whether or not sure. it's derogatory I you know I don't oh know. yeah aliens is definitely the the casual street word for extraterrestrials right yeah yeah, in a formal <laughs> setting, you don't want to be using that that kind of language. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, you know, so in that sense, I can agree, you know. <laughs> it is a little too informal if you're meeting. <laughs> if yeah. you're meeting with beings from another planet, it is a little too informal. Well, for sure. <laughs> I mean, if you're at, like, the dignitary's dinner... And they're coming and they have their coat on with like the little tassels on the shoulder and like the fruit cocktail badge of like all of the different air force and (laughs) sea force and whatever. Then, you know, you have to really remember how to use your honorifics. Okay. (laughs) And, you know, just really curtsy, bow, whatever it is you've got to do, but maintain that professional distance. Make an impression that says... I respect you, and I am a professional of this planet Earth. And I think that that'll resonate with them before they eat your internal organs. Make um, that worthy of abduction impression. (laughs) Make that. Yes. You know what? I would like to, if I could interject with a tiny little cute story. Sure. Um, I was driving home and i saw one of those like shooting star comet things that are bright green when they flash through the atmosphere Mm. um and so immediately i was like fantasizing about ufos and like being abducted and stuff like that when i came home to my um husband i was like hey you know would you be pissed off if like some aliens like I met some aliens and they were like, do you want to come? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, I'd only be mad if you didn't also come and get me. Oh, <laughs> right. And like, cute. I love that. And I was like, yeah. Cute. I was like, okay. Yeah. I've got a deal. <laughs> that is super sweet. I love that. I'm adding that to the, the list of reasons why we like him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good. Good. I keep a list by the way. <laughs> Lastly, it's probably pretty long by now, I'd say. It's very long. It's oppressively long. (laughs) 
If you compared it to the length of other people... No, I'm just... (laughs) 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 Lastly... Uh, for Wait, my no, portion, like for my wrong. portion of the news, oh, okay. which is, you know, I I don't pretend that my portion of the news is the most important portion. Well, no, but it, it makes up the crux. It's, it's like just the spine of. I'm just warming I, up the. I, I'm warming I, up the news box for you. I I got a little bit here that's juicy. <laughs> Juicy. Well, it's very juicy. In the meantime, the <laughs> last bit of my news is that the documentary streaming service, and this this could be a sign of the times we're living in, in my opinion, the documentary streaming service Magellan TV recently ran a sweepstakes called Paranormal Dream Job, wherein the winner receives the opportunity to binge. 24 hours of paranormal documentaries in a 48-hour time frame while streaming the experience live, after which the contestant will also be given $2,400 in compensation for permanently destroying their psyche as part of a marketing campaign. Wow. Sign me up. (laughs) The sweepstakes is over now, so you can't apply anymore, but I'm personally really curious as to how that's going to pan out since I can't imagine 24 hours of any kind of television crammed into only two days. On the other hand, I've probably done worse things to myself before without even thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah. And without getting paid. Yes. Without getting paid. Definitely. That's wild. Isn't that crazy? Was there an update on who did it? Not yet. What happened to them? Not yet that I could find. God, I wonder where their body is. I mean, I guess, like, is it really that entertaining to watch someone watch a thing as they just, like, sob by themselves for 24 hours straight? I think it depends on who it is. <laughs> because I could watch Sister Celine watch other things. Mm, that's true. For sure. I would watch that. I would. Oh, you too. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, I wouldn't want you to have to go through that, but if you right. were going through that, I Sister would watch Celine, it if you were going to destroy your psyche, Wisteria and I, we would really want to watch. Thank We'd you. Watch it. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> and I would try to give you a show and really, um, you know, I, I, want, I want to win a, an award for this um, because it's probably my last <laughs> award. So I'm willing I'm to bet you will win an award for that. <laughs> uh, well, I take it that brings us to my bit of news, which uh, happened pretty recently. October 18th, I did not even know about this until I just searched for, like, creepy things in the news, and then I was hit with this. And I was like, oh my, this is extreme. So, uh, three people were left dead and three hospitalized after Jamaican police, not, not talking about Jamaica, Queens, I'm talking about Jamaica, the island and country, uh, Jamaican police raided the compound of a small religious organization. Due to concerns, the group was preparing to carry out, yup, you guessed it, ritualized killing. (laughs) Yeah, so, um, apparently... It was very Jonestown-esque. 144 men, women, and children 
were summoned to the church, robed in white, ostensibly because there was an incoming flood and the uh, pastor wanted to get them all in one location. But luckily, one of the church members did come to her senses after coming into the church and seeing another young lady's throat being slashed. Um, So she ran out. A few other people ran out, too. They called the police, although apparently there were also police officers there in the congregation. Oh, my God. I don't know if they were were running out or if they were just, like, there for, like, you know, oh, yeah, that that looks about right. They're just um, there A-cabinet up. (laughs) I don't know, but upon (laughs) arrival... The other police who came were shot at and they were attacked by a man wielding a knife leading to an altercation in which one of the church people died. Um, and, it, you know, if you look at the guy's site, you see, like, he was a self-styled, quote, prophet to the nations, proclaimed as his excellency, Dr. Kevin Yikes. O. Smith. Not the Kevin Smith who was Silent Bob, not the Kevin Smith who is the director he's <laughs> not the Kevin Smith of legitimate nice acclaim <laughs> right this is the diff- this is the bad Kevin Smith the one that you want to you want to avoid him and he's been operating for many years under this Pathways International Kingdom Restoration Ministries a copy of his biography calls him the former crown ambassador of the throne of Nubia Sheba globe traveler to over a hundred countries worldwide and Yeshua Hamashiach and time prophet to the nation and if you need a title that big <laughs> then something's clearly not right and right uh, if you have to write if you have to write down prime prophet of the nation really a lot <laughs> and um so anyway he's in custody now Smith Um, 14 children were rescued while 31 women and 11 men including Smith remain in custody but uh, it was very frightening and you know it really shows you like that kind of indoctrinating mentality it's like you know we think in in, with like horror movies and all this Mm -hmm. oh it's like the demons and the witches and everything but no the demons are here among us and a lot of the that kind of demonic energy that we fear is in this controlling, indoctrinating kind of like over-the-top cult-like religious organizations, which for some Mm. cockamamie reason will like try to convince people to just be okay with the most inhuman (laughs) actions of like violence, murder, and all of this, and I have no idea for what, you know, but it's that's a real life horror movie. And the fact that there were children witnessing that, I just feel so bad for them because, you know, I'm sure they're scarred for life and it's just really sad. This reminds me actually of another story that I saw that I, I sort of like clicked past it and, and cringed a little bit, but I didn't include it, which was that somewhere in the world, I don't remember specifically exactly Um, there was a congregation of people who were tricked somehow into burying their own reverend alive because he said that he wanted to rise again in three days. (laughs) 
um, like the Messiah, and he was uh-huh. convinced that he could do it, so he had them bury him in the dirt. And on the third day, he didn't rise. <laughs> oh, geez. And they had to dig him up because they were wondering why it didn't work out the way that it was supposed to work out. Um, and that is because he was delusional. He, he, <clears throat> and yeah, yeah. dad died. And died <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Died. that, that oh. is because you can't bury someone in the dirt and have them still survive. So I don't know don't why, do but my brain was like, was he in a coffin or was he just like in a sack <laughs> or just like nothing? Was there mm. anything protecting his face? I don't and, know. And, you know... How deep are we talking? I don't have like, the that's details. what I want to know. <laughs> I'm sorry that I don't have the details <laughs> at this point, but uh yeah, I was I was like, no, that's too sad, and I like clicked the next article. I had no such compunctions about like normal Sister Celine doesn't at. discriminate between I don't articles. Pull any punches. <laughs> oh boy. Okay, so that's all for the news, and we are now moving into the dark half of this episode. (laughs) After the, you know ritualized sacrifice right. and being buried alive. <laughs> now was, we're getting serious. That mm. was the light half in case you guys <laughs> were unaware. <clears throat> Surprise! In case you listeners were not aware. So, it's Halloween. All Hallows Eve, Samhain, the Witch's New Year, whatever you prefer to call it or however you prefer to think about it. And even as a secular holiday for a lot of people, Halloween is undeniably a celebration of the unknown, the magical, the liminal, the vespertine and nocturnal, and of the fear that keeps us alive and the fear that kept our ancestors alive. It's also a time which highlights humankind's belief in the supernatural since time immemorial and of the kinds of sightings and experiences which keep us aware of the existence of something beyond human material existence and comprehension in honor of that something the sort of something which might beckon to you perhaps from out of the darkness or occasionally from out beyond the woo if anyone has listened to our trailer Today's episode will be a discussion of nightmares, shadows, and possibilities. Today, we'll be talking about our own fears, our own experiences, and we'll even be sharing some paranormal experiences graciously offered to us by friends and family. And to begin with, I want to start talking about some of the things that scared us as children, because I think that for most of us who really love Halloween, It's because we've held on to that sense of Halloween in childhood, wherein fear is just as much an exciting, joyful thing as it is an uncomfortable situation. 
Mm, for sure. Absolutely. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Should I say it like the southern ghost guy? Who's going first? <laughs> if you'd like. <laughs> <laughs> so, who's going first? Well, I guess I'm going first because nobody else has given me my cue. <laughs> so, Happy Halloween. Oh, trick traders, that's not the ball you're looking for. I'm afraid. <laughs> But, all kidding aside, we are talking about the liminality of Halloween, and the liminality of time, and the liminality of the psyche, and the liminality of fear, the supernatural, what takes place inside of the mind, and what takes place outside of the mind, and nowhere can we see this better reflected than through our past experiences as children when we were most vulnerable, and what really scared us, and um, I think, you know, reflections of the mind and, like, the mirror and what's on the other side and the sleep wakefulness, that's really, like, my whole theme with these stories. Um, that's what scared me as a child, it's what scares me today. <laughs> but as a kid, getting exposed to it first would be something that I heard. Um, it's, you know, from, like, just children being children on the playgrounds um the bloody mary story mm-hmm. yeah so for us growing up you know bloody mary uh connected to bloody mary the queen of scots who killed like almost 300 protestants because they wouldn't convert to catholicism and so she was called bloody mary she developed into this kind of urban legend where um, she was a ghost, phantom, or spirit who was conjured to reveal the future. Now, I didn't even know about that part. Uh, because we just did it for, you know, shits and gigs. Like, right. we didn't do it with any specific goal in mind. But she's said to appear in a mirror when her name is chanted repeatedly. And I just remember being a kid and hearing playground stories about, oh, look at Kevin's scratch on his neck. That's because he summoned Bloody Mary. And basically you're like, oh, I'm going to try it. And so you go to the bathroom mirror at night. When no one's awake. And you said it three times. You said, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. And that was it. She was supposed to appear and attack you. Which, stupid kids, why would you want that? But, you know, <laughs> this was before streaming services see. and the internet. Right? Yeah, it's just to Yeah, see. we had a lot less to entertain ourselves back then. You had to get your kicks where you could. And so that was always a thing. And I remember going into the bathroom as a kid. Which was a struggle in and of itself because of my fear of Pee Wee Herman and Ernest. But I finally <laughs> made it into that bathroom and I said, Bloody Mary. And I don't know if it was my imagination or what have you, but I swear to the beans that I thought something was appearing in that mirror and I didn't wait. I didn't know if it was Bloody Mary or Pee Wee Herman, but I wasn't going to wait to find out. (laughs) So I hightailed it out of there, and I went to sleep, and that was the end of it. But, little known fact, again with bathrooms, again with mirrors, my research takes me to something I think is even creepier, which apparently shares a lot of similarities with Bloody Mary, Hanako-san, or Toire no Hanako-san, a.k.a. 
Hanako of the toilet in Japanese is a Japanese urban legend about the spirit of a young girl named Hanako-san who haunts school toilets. Like many urban legends, the details of the origins of the legend vary. Sometimes she's the ghost of a World War II era girl who was killed while playing hide-and-seek during an air raid, which is horrible. Or she was murdered by a parent or stranger, or she committed suicide in a school toilet. Either way, it's horrifying. That's all terrible yeah. options. And, you know, this goes back to that primal fear of being vulnerable. And when you're in the bathroom yeah. doing your business, you're at your most vulnerable. <laughs> and true. so you feel like, you know, this is a, a place where you're either going to be able to do your business and get out in time, or you're going to lose your life. Also, what is going to happen? And think about how nasty, wait. how nasty the entity has to be to choose that vulnerable time as opposed to the vulnerable time in your bed or something. Yeah, it's almost like adding insult <laughs> to injury. It's like saying, "I'm gonna get you when you're shit," <laughs> and it's really just like the, a deranged individual you know, would would do something like that. So, I mean, that was really my fear as a kid was always, again, with the bathroom. It was always either Pee Wee Herman in the bathroom, Bloody Mary in the bathroom, now Hanako-san in the bathroom. Everybody's in the bathroom but me because I'm going to go in a bush. <laughs> I'm not going Yeah, drowning bird, <laughs> which I think must have been derived from the Hanako-san myth because it's just too coincidental. Um, but there is that fear, you know, I went to Catholic school from kindergarten to third grade, mm-hmm. and I can't recall the details, but for me, Bloody Mary was like Virgin Mother Mary, but <gasps> bloody. Oh, yikes. And I, in the wintertime, when I was like there for Girl Scouts, went into the basement of the church that the Catholic school was attached to and said Bloody Mary three times into a mirror and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And so then I was like, I'm a boss bitch. <laughs> you know, like then I was like, Fuh. and so Fuh. this ain't shit. Look at me. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, nobody cared when I told them that story because nothing happened. So, well, I'm That's impressed. That. <laughs> I because I don't think I I think I might have tried the Bloody Mary incantation like one time with a friend, but I can't really remember clearly. I I certainly didn't do it with you know earnest intentions of <laughs> earnest. Oh, <laughs> Anywho, <laughs> does anyone else have a bathroom story? No, just no, because I, I feel that. like we were on a roll for a while. Uh, okay, then I'll tell you one that's, I think, very ridiculous. And I, I mean, I don't know why anyone would tell anyone else this unless they wanted them to lose all respect for them, but <laughs> I'm gonna risk it. When I was around three years old, I was actually afraid that when you put a shirt on, 
while the shirt is over your head, so for that brief fraction of a second, it's possible you might get stuck like that forever, and then you would be inside of the shirt, which would become your forever world, and almost like a an alternate fabric dimension, or a place outside of time, where then no one would ever be able to reach you anymore, and you would be alone forever. And so, <laughs> every time my mother would try to put a shirt on me, I would have a brief panic attack, and if the shirt kind of got like stuck in my hair for a second or anything like that, I would just like lose my shit. Just like <laughs> zero to a thousand panic in a split second. And finally she had to just pull me aside and say, what? What is going on with the shirts? And I explained how there's a world inside of the shirt and, you know, I don't want to be lost. And my mom actually... <laughs> she had to explain how she could just get a pair of scissors really like it wasn't that big of a deal <laughs> she could cut through the so fabric that's... of space and time to free you from the shirt universe oh my god I love that <laughs> that's pretty funny that's probably my most ridiculous one I wonder if at some point like you're mom maybe said something sort of akin to that while trying to dress you as a baby and like <laughs> like because she was just frustrated and so she was like if you don't put your arm down your shirt's gonna get caught there forever and then <laughs> it actually like really sunk into your subconscious <laughs> i don't know i do know that i really detested any kind of tight clothing as a kid i just did mm. not like the sensation of things on me or, like, all around me at the same time. And I didn't like the, like, the, the actual physical sensation of the shirt while it was going over my head. And so mm. I think I, I, you know, some it had something to do with that. Like, it felt constraining. And I think that that kind of added in to the overall <laughs> sure, 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 bizarre sure. shirt phobia. Because I didn't even wear jeans or anything. I just absolutely refused to until I was, uh, I think, like, 14. Well, yeah, the jeans I are mean, kind of uncomfortable. Like, legit tight. jeans, they're not mm -hmm. comfortable. They're too tight. They're, there's a world inside of them. I just... You have to... <laughs> it can be stifling. Be I think careful. it's that feeling of, like, that lack of freedom is... It's like a, a stifling, yeah. suffocating kind of... Like, my uh, aunt's husband, I remember, whenever I'd see him just in his casual wear, he always wore gym shirts, like little sweatshirts and stuff like that. But he would always cut the collars off. I thought that was weird. But I also realized he suffered from claustrophobia. He never took elevators either. And I wonder if that kind of paired into that where it was like mm. this kind of feeling of restriction and so the collars on things are horrible even yeah, nowadays yes. I, I don't yes. want a collar that's like right right up against like a turtleneck 
or a mock yeah. neck. It took me a really long time to get used to scarves. Like, I love scarves. I love the way they look. I love the different styles. But, like, it took me a long time to get used to wearing them because I was just not comfortable. Stuff around my throat. And V-neck t-shirts are pretty great. I love Mm -hmm. scarves. For that kind of thing. I love chokers. Like, choker necklaces and things. But the sensation on the Mm -hmm. neck will prevent me from wearing something if i don't i need to like place it very carefully and i need to make sure that the scarf is wrapped like just a certain way otherwise it'll drive me up a wall yeah yeah up a wall into another dimension where i am lost forever (laughs) and no one can ever help me unless they have scissors (laughs) yes except with scissors speaking of walls my childhood scary thing I mean is something probably a lot of people can relate to uh just you know houses make creepy noises you know um and you know my younger brother had a room to himself on a different floor than all of the rest of the bedrooms and he would frequently sleep in the living room or just you know he just didn't want to be alone in his room and I was very protective of him so I you know I was just there and like slept on the floor sometimes or whatever and I learned that like for whatever reason that bedroom like the pipes in the walls would make these crazy noises and like no wonder this you know little kid is afraid of his room because like what the heck And then, much later, I mean, I think I was, like, a teenager, we, like, switched bedrooms. Um, and that's when I met who we mm, affectionately call Creepy Carl. (laughs) Um, so, like, while these, like, house noises were sort of an inspiration for terrifying stories within my own head, it turns out that actually my parents' house is haunted. (laughs) Um... (laughs) My mom, my brother, and myself, and an ex-boyfriend of mine have seen Creepy Carl. Um, my mom also, like, heard him and saw him run down the hallway. He wears, like, a fedora, which is also very funny. He wears a fedora and, like, a trench coat. And, like, all I've ever seen is, like, the black shadowy outline of that. Mm. My mom said she, like, saw, like, a robe whizzing down the hallway one time, and then another time she was on the phone with a neighbor and stopped suddenly because she heard this, like, man's voice in the house, and even the neighbor on the phone asked, like, oh, is your husband home? (laughs) And my mom's like, no, nobody's here. So they both heard his voice. Um, My brother named him Creepy Carl because uh, when he was in that room had his like computer in a certain spot and like would be watching porn I guess you know Creepy (laughs) Carl would be standing right behind him uh, a lot of the times like that's when he caught (laughs) Creepy Carl what a creep trying to get a glimpse yeah (laughs) Um, and the story with my ex granted I'm not a child at this point but um, you know I brought a boyfriend home to meet the parents and we were talking about Creepy Carl and this, this guy at the time was like, I don't, you know, ghosts aren't real. I don't believe in any of that stuff. Like, I don't think anything of what you're saying is true. And so I was like, 
just you wait, you know? <laughs> and um, in addition to my cat, a ghost cat visiting this ex, because he said a black cat like figure eighted between his feet and ran out of the room. And I had a black cat um, at some point. So that was cool. Doodle. Doodle came to visit. But, you know, I literally, like, I'm sleeping. I open my eyes. And my boyfriend at the time is, like, laying there facing me, just wide-eyed and pale as hell. And I literally (laughs) am like, you look like you've seen a ghost. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, I did. Can we go somewhere and talk about it? And I was like, yeah. (laughs) So... He explains to me that he saw Creepy Carl in the doorway glide into the room and onto to the like the foot of the bed. And, you know, he's just horrified. And then Creepy Carl like points to him. <gasps> like and and so that's when he just like freaks out and runs out of the room, and that's when Doodle did a little zigzag through his legs. Um and I was just like, yeah, man, we told you. Wow. So that's well, Creepy Carl in my parents' house that I think at, when you're like a little, little kid, he doesn't, like, I don't think he's trying to freak anybody out, but I do think he's like aware of being an entity. And mm-hmm. especially with the way he behaved with that particular ex, I, I view him as something like protective of yeah. the children in the home, especially since he doesn't go out of his way to like, be scary to little children having known you for the length of time that i've known you and knowing who i'm pretty sure that was then i have to agree that (laughs) assessment and it seemed like he was uh in cahoots with doodles like he was yeah yeah he was on friendly terms with with doodle doodle or doodle doodle yeah doodle oh little doodle yeah Yeah, I've I've seen at your parents' house before, mm, and mm-hmm. it was it was like unusual vibes, I have to say. But but yeah, no my one... mom's doll collection doesn't help. I don't think. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I was definitely in a room of dolls. There were a lot of dolls. Oh, how uh, fabulous! But Love I did. Dolls. <laughs> but I, I understand feel... a lot of people are creeped out. <laughs> I didn't feel like anyone was trying to terrorize me. But I did feel uncertain mm. at a few points. Yeah, I definitely couldn't be afraid of dolls as a kid because there were so many porcelain faces in my <laughs> living room at all times that there's just no way if I developed a fear of those, I wouldn't be able to live there. Like, it just wouldn't, just wouldn't happen. <laughs> so... <laughs> Um, I'll preface this by saying that when I was a kid, I absolutely loved ghost stories and scary stories, and I actually got in trouble a few times for scaring different friends by telling them about ghosts and talking about the cemetery too much, because the cemetery out behind my house growing up was kind of my special enchanted solace place, and... The Catholic mothers of my school friends didn't really like that kind of talk. Um, (sighs) Usually, I myself didn't find ghost stories, like the kind of ghost stories that you would find in children's books, to be 
scary enough to be concerning at all. But I remember this one time a teacher had us read this spooky story out of a book, and I've tried Googling it to figure out which book it was or what the story is called, but I haven't been able to find it. Basically, in the story, the main character is a little boy, and he has a lot of pent-up frustration, which he starts taking out on this stair post at the bottom of the stairs. And he would, like, dress it up in a hat and give it a name and insult it and kick it a little bit as he walked past. And his bedroom happens to be at the top of the stairs. <laughs> and you can kind of see where this is going. But after a few days of mistreating the stair post, he starts to hear noises at night that sound like someone might be just starting to walk up the stairs toward his bedroom. Oh and the, <laughs> the first few nights he gets up to look and no one's there. And then I think there are a few other little details that come into play, which cause him to suspect over time that it could be this stair post. <laughs> mm. And the stair post has somehow developed a kind of identity because of the hostile energy that he's been slinging at it all this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he'll do things like he'll change the hat out and things like that. And in the evening, the hat will be different <laughs> for no reason. Mm. Um, that, like, the next day it'll be wearing something else. So as the nights go on, the climbing on the stairs escalates further and further. And his parents don't believe him. And when he gets up to look, there's nothing there except, I think, for the very last time. <laughs> and I think the story sort of leaves you hanging like, did the stair post make it to the top stairs? Like, what was the stair post by the time it got up to the stairs? Like, uh, is the person alive? Um, how terrifying could a stair post actually be? And all these questions arose in my mind <laughs> as a child. Mm. Well, I also happened to be at the top of the stairs with no door to my bedroom. Mm. And so there were always noises on the stairs. And <laughs> even though it's the most ridiculous thing ever, it got into my subconscious and for at least a couple of weeks, I can remember being worried about whether I had accidentally, potentially acknowledged the stair post too much. <laughs> <laughs> and if I thought about it too much, maybe something similar would happen and it would take on some kind of like persona and start walking around at night and come up the stairs. Well, we all know that there is some legitimacy to that, you know, to like bringing something into consciousness and manifesting it. So, right. you know, you weren't totally off, but like, Which you know, a stair post is a bit of a stretch. We'll be coming back around to that exact <laughs> subject later on, for sure. But Psykea, between the stair posts and the shirts, I don't know how you were able to... <laughs> survive in that house because <laughs> all of these inanimate objects were out 
and they they were gonna get you. It's and I mean, that hell, I'm still if you here. coupled in me and the toilet and the mirror, like, oh my god, <laughs> you'd never be able to make it past like ten. <laughs> I do have one more from my childhood that actually is something that still freaks me out. Mm. So <laughs> I do actually still think about this sometimes. I had been watching one of those spooky haunted places type specials on the History Channel or something, I think. Not the new kind, but the old kind from the early 90s that were a lot less theatrical and somehow because of that they were scarier in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On that show, they talk about a woman who was found dead in bed one morning. And it was in one of those like big old manor houses, I think in the English countryside. <laughs> and <laughs> there's speculation that the woman died of fright because of the expression that was on her face when they found her. Mm. Mm-hmm. And she had also been facing the direction of the window in her bedroom. And so the, <laughs> the narrative is that this woman looked over and unexpectedly saw something that was so incredibly horrifying that she died from it instantly. Oh my god. That's really cute to tell me at night (laughs) on, you know, Halloween in front of the window. (laughs) I put a disclaimer in and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, even now, I will sometimes, like, it'll cross my mind and I will avoid looking directly at windows at night. Because Mm -hmm. for basically my entire childhood after seeing that, I was paranoid about going into the kitchen and like glancing at the back door accidentally and maybe one of the times someday seeing something through the window on the door. Mm. (laughs) I think that kind of fear does like stay with you as an adult person because like even no matter where you live, whether it's like suburban rural like urban like there's like windows are the access point to both ways and there is a lot to be concerned about of what is out there and what can get in here via the window exactly or even does it have to get in you know is the damage done just because i don't want to see things and a lot of times I feel like I don't see things because I don't want to. I have such a strong mm, mm-hmm. disinclination to, to want to be exposed to, I don't know, like a spirit in its death state or something. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah. In well, a I lot of ways, also, just seeing it is enough. It's like the unseen that really, like, it, it, it's like the possibility of what could be on the (laughs) other side is almost always more terrifying than anything that you could think of. I mean, not always, obviously, you know, there could be a deranged 
serial killer on the other side. That's really, really, you know, frightening. <laughs> but, you know, like, it, it, it's just the possibilities that we conjure in our minds. Yeah, and if like, you have anxiety, like, then you oh, will, yeah. even if it's a serial killer, your mind will somehow find a way to make it worse. <laughs> right, yeah. Even yeah. if it's only a serial killer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> It was a cognitive um, distortion on top of a serial killer. Right. You have reached the end of the first part of Miss Doggoggle's Halloween relaunch party. Please proceed to the episode labeled Part 2. <laughs>